Yes, sir. Yes, sis. If you can hear through hip hop, then hear this. Our guest today is an adjunct professor at several universities, Karen, of course, being one of those, and he has many years of experience teaching on the sociological perspective of hip hop. He's also an artist, writer, and two time Grammy nominated artist himself. His stage name is Fanatic, and we will talk with him today about his background in life and hip hop, his role in the cross movement, hip hop history, the class he teaches here at Cairn, and probably a few more things too. Stay tuned till the end of the podcast as we will talk about how you can win a free copy of one of his albums and how you can influence the direction that this discussion may go in the future. You're listening to the Cairn Ted podcast where we bring our alumni back inside Cairn University. Brady Goodwin, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Can you share a bit to start off, Brady, about your your background and life and hip hop mm. and all those things? Okay. Uh, I could quote a popular TV show and say, uh, Philadelphia born and raised uh, on the playground, <laughs> dot, dot, dot. Uh, but yeah, not West Philly, but Philadelphia uh, grew up in the city. Um, public school educated, uh, single parent home after the age of 10. Grew up in the church and I grew up in the streets of Philadelphia. So every weekend I was in church and then Monday through Friday I was running the streets. Around age 10, I came to a fork in the road where I couldn't do the streets and my faith. I you know, realized I wasn't two people. I had to choose one of those and uh, chose my faith at age 16. Uh, thought I had to leave my culture alone. And so for about a year or so I did, you know, no rap, no R&B, no nothing. Uh, and then I ran into a, a guy who had actually merged his faith and culture and was doing Christian rap. And when, when I saw it, it just seemed like the most obvious, you know, why didn't I think of that? You know, why did I throw my culture away? Yep, by God's grace, merged faith and culture and been doing it ever since. So talking about early on, and uh, I've had the privilege of interviewing uh, Manny Lambert, mm-hmm. a.k.a. The Truth, yep. in this very same studio and had the chance to talk with him a little bit about his time at Cairn and uh, also the cross yeah. movement. Interestingly enough, um, when I was here at Karen, <laughs> you, know, you know, I was tempted <laughs> to say PBU. When I was here at Karen, um, my third year uh, here, I was in my West. I was in the Western Civilization class, and it was the first time that I had been exposed to um, the um, ancient Near Eastern uh, mythological stories that predated uh, biblical historical narratives. Um, so. It was the first time I had kind of uh, been exposed to those ideas, and it shook my faith. That was here while I was in Bible college. And I think that's important to say because um, you just never know how many people are actually in this school um, and really uncertain about what they believe, you know, at the core. And um, so that was a really critical, pivotal moment for me um, because it forced me to— to it forced me to my knees, number one, <laughs> um, yeah. which is very difficult to be to talk to God when you don't know if He's real. <laughs> God, help me! I don't know if you're real. Yeah. You know. Yeah. <laughs> I was raised in a Christian home, pacing through different rooms. Son of a preacher man, faith that has been assumed. So, for mm. anybody who's unfamiliar with cross movement, uh, can you talk about that a little bit? And if you think of it, any any intersection with Karen over the years, yeah. where it plays a, a role yeah. in that. Um, it's a big question. Yeah, by by way of uh, of analogy, you know, there's a lot going on right now as people are mourning uh, the death of Kobe Bryant, and one of the things that people are, are saying is, for very many people, 
he is the if you're if you're in your 20s late 20s maybe uh kobe bryant was the michael jordan of that generation uh michael jordan was the michael jordan of the generation before them uh in today's world of of rap and christianity connecting uh, most people will look and say lecrae that's the guy but he's this generation's you know michael jordan yeah. uh before him there was the cross movement uh it was a group of guys who came out of philadelphia and jersey and uh, all of us thought that we were the only ones doing Christian rap and God ran us into each other. Like, you too? You too? And uh, we're lonely. We were all lonely because we didn't fit in the church because the church rejected hip hop. It's aesthetic, the language, uh, the lingo, the fashion, uh, the art. So we didn't fit in there. But then we would go out to the street and we didn't fit in there because we you know, had these Bibles on us and like, yo, you can't bring that out here. So we ended up uh, coming together for uh, just fellowship, community. And uh, at that time, it was very interesting because hip hop was uh, in the the early 90s, mid 90s, hip hop was very theological. And I'm talking secular hip hop was very theological. You had people like KRS-One teaching all kinds of metaphysical ideas, uh, metaphysical ideas. Then you had groups like Wu-Tang Clan uh, declaring things like the black man is God a spinoff of Nation of Islam. They were five percenters, you know, these urban cult religions, and they were dissing Christians and Christianity. Rappers like Nas um, had lines like, I'd resurrect the blonde haired blue-eyed Jesus and crucify him again. This is popular in the Mm -hmm. culture. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. when we came together, we sort of stuck a flag in the ground, kind of like, you know, not on our watch. You know, we're going to defend our faith. We're going to defend uh, the body of Christ. We're going to defend. And so... Many people who heard cross movement back in the mid '90s, late '90s, thought we were talking to the church because it was so theological. We were really answering these urban cults, mm. and uh, because mm. they were talk, they they knew Hebrew, you know, they they were talking yeah. theological things, and so um, by God's grace, uh, God used that to catapult us to the forefront of. We didn't invent Christian rap; there was Christian rap before us, but uh, it wasn't theological. Because for for many reasons, it wasn't addressing that part of the culture, uh, but we were. And God used that to strengthen the church. God used that to challenge, uh, you know, the the secular world. And um, we sort of began an East Coast movement uh, of Christians in hip hop, um, representing their faith and and not being afraid, not being ashamed of that. So, um, yeah, did I answer the question? <laughs> yeah, and I think you did. Yeah. yeah, and so so did Philadelphia, the city, um, and then to some degree by extension, Karen. Was there any? Was Philadelphia sort of one of the places where you all came together? Did did that city play a role in, in that? Yeah, Philadelphia, uh, for lack of a better uh, analogy, was sort of a mecca of Christian mm-hmm. hip hop at yeah. that time because cross movement was from here. Right, right. And uh, cross movement was seven individuals. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple of different rap groups of two people here, three people here, but then all the rap groups broke up. Yeah. And then you had seven individuals who, even though they weren't groups anymore, they were still in the same conglomerate. Right. And we would go to a block party or we would be at mm. the supermarket or we'd be on the train or we'd be down at the clothespin in, in Center City, Philadelphia, defending our faith. Yeah. And people just would say, hey, we keep seeing y'all together. Like, who are y'all? What are y'all? Are y'all a group? No, nah, we're not a group. We're just soloists and this, that, and the third. And so we put out a compilation album of all these individuals in 1997 mm-hmm. called Heaven's Mentality. Then we started traveling, touring the compilation album. And after about maybe a year, year or two, that, this roughly? was 97. 97. Yeah, 1997. Okay. Wow, wow. After about a year or two of that, people just, you know, they kept saying, 
you know, the cross movement is a group. No, we're a conglomerate, we're a compilation, mm -hmm. we're this. Mm -hmm. And we said, you know, let's stop kidding ourselves. We're, we're a group. Uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> and so we kind of put the, but Philadelphia is where that all happened. Right, right. And then you had younger guys like The Truth. Yeah. Um, Cruz Cordero, people like that. Yeah, I caught up with Cruz recently at a restaurant, and we he actually talked a little bit about his involvement with Cross Movement. Well, Cross Movement, before even the name came up, before we came up with the name Cross Movement, uh, it was a bunch of guys um, that wanted to impact the hip-hop culture with, with um, the message of Christ. Uh, we were... Die-hard hip-hop fans. We would listen to the big names out there, and we would notice that, and a lot of the raps during the '90s, which it was the the era that we we came together, there were a lot of raps that commented on Christianity in their own way, and we felt well, it was it was a it was a misrepresentation of of the Christianity that we knew, right? So. We said, let's come, let's come together and let's write some of our own songs to address some of the things that we're hearing in hip-hop. William Branch, right? William Was Branch, born, Ambassador, yeah. who, who went to Cairn. All these guys that had been to Cairn, you know, I think several of them graduated. Some just came for a time, yep. but had relations with Cairn. Right. I, I never came as a student. But um, just being in the area and wanting to know more about our faith had people trying to figure out, well, man, if my church isn't giving me enough, right. uh, you know, if Bible study and this is not mm -hmm. giving me enough, how can I get more? Mm -hmm. And so you had guys from the group just enrolling and just trying to find out how can I get more because I'm going to take this and do something with it. This is not just an intellectual exercise. Mm -hmm. I want to get armed for these battles I keep having out here with right. these urban cults. Yeah. And so that's basically what it was. Right. Yeah. Um, were you at the thing at Moody Bible Institute when Cross Movement was honored? Yes. A little while ago? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that was really interesting uh, to see. Yeah. I think that was about maybe 10, uh, 10 years after we had yeah. um, mm -hmm. disbanded as a group. Right. And uh, right. they kind of gave us a, a legacy award. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah. legacy conference. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. I got to say, KRS One, my my hook with that is, mm. I don't know if you remember when uh, Michael Stipe from REM and he no. did a song together on um, the Out of Time album. Oh, wow. Radio no. song. So, okay. that, you know, maybe an early example of <laughs> the beginning of integration of styles gotcha. and that kind of thing. Okay. Um, so, yeah, huh. I recognize Wu Tang Clan, of course, but yeah. So, yeah, that's great history. Mm -hmm. So, speaking of maybe some of these kind of early intersections, you mm -hmm. know, you and I, have, I really enjoyed our conversation mm -hmm. uh, a month or so back. Yeah. We started talking about some of these things. Um, what do you find most interesting? Because you you teach a lot on this, and this is you know maybe part of your specialty, mm -hmm. um, the intersection of hip hop and sociology, anthropology. Mm -hmm. I know that's a really broad. Um, yeah, all those allergies. Are, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But 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 how do you kind of start to think through that, and, and mm -hmm. what maybe fascinates you the most to, to mm -hmm. kind of let people get inside of the mind of Brady Goodwin a little bit? Um, well, I think anytime you begin to look at a particular people group and you are kind enough to acknowledge that this is a culture and not just an aberration or, you know, a fad as, you know, many people thought hip hop was going to be a fad. Yeah. A disco was a fad in the late sixties, early seventies. Hip hop comes on the scene. Uh, it'll be a fad, right? Right. It's funny because I, I teach this and I, I have, you know, students think about the idea of a fad. Many of them don't use that term That's fad true. anymore. They it's kind of like an eighties term. Right. Yeah. Let's just put an E at the end of the word fad. What does it spell? Mm. Fade. Okay, a fad is something that fades. Mm. Most people thought it was going to fade. Now here we are, you know, 47 years later and hip hop is still there. 
I ask most students, do you think hip hop will still be around when your children are your age? Most of them will say, yeah, it'll sound a little different, but it'll still be hip hop. Yeah. So within that, there's the acknowledgement that uh, hip hop is not going anywhere. And that's because it's not just a style of music. Um, rap is the style of music of hip hop, the culture. Uh, by way of analogy, you can look at you know African-American culture. Right. Soul food mm -hmm. is not African-American culture. It is the food of that culture. Mm. Well, rap is the art form of the culture, hip hop. The church has struggled, the Western church, I would say, has struggled to a, acknowledge cultures, validate cultures, and then allow cultures to exist. Uh, John Piper has one of my favorite uh, lines. I quote him all the time. Uh, John Piper says, the church, the Western church, when they would go overseas as missionaries, they would often plant the flower pot instead of the flower. So the gospel is the flower. Right. Let me plant this in your culture and see how it grows. No, 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 no. Take it the way we bring it to you. Take our flower pot. Let me put this in your culture. And when you do that, you destroy uh, what the culture is. Don't build your buildings like this. Build it with a steeple that points to the heaven. Uh, don't right. name your children this way. Don't sing right. your songs, you know, mm -hmm. um, without appreciating the culture and have gone even further than that to demonize the cultures. Mm. Uh, and they call people savages, things like that. So you can imagine the church looking at hip hop in its birth right. and almost doing the same thing, mm -hmm. not recognizing it as a culture, as a valid people group that have a way of life mm -hmm. and simply looking to either demonize it or, or in some kind of way um, minimize it come out of that and become a Christian as opposed to, let me give you the gospel and see how that blossoms in that culture. Which is kind of what you said you were <clears throat> kind exactly. of wrestling with, right? Yep, exactly. Yeah. And because no one told me that I, you know, right. <laughs> one, no one told me that my culture could be redeemed. Mm -hmm. Two, mm -hmm. many Christians don't realize that the churches that we're a part of have cultures in and of themselves. Yeah, right. So the way that we speak and, you know, the terms that we use and uh, the way that we dress uh, it's a culture. And so sometimes you think you're taking off your your sinful culture and putting mm -hmm. on Christianity, when really you're just mm -hmm. taking off your culture and putting on another culture mm -hmm. that is not inherently evil or good. Mm -hmm. And um, anyhow, all that mm -hmm. to say, if you're kind enough to acknowledge hip hop as culture, mm -hmm. you treat it differently. Uh, you don't demonize it. You don't minimize it. Uh, you, you look to see how you could uh, see members of the culture redeemed, and then how that could spread to redeem the entire culture. Mm -hmm. And um, I think I've been part of that uh, that that counterculture within hip hop um, that wants to see the culture redeemed. And so it is sociology, it is anthropology. I see hip hop as an extension of African American history. So if you teach yeah. <laughs> uh, Dave Chappelle has a, a the comedian Dave Chappelle has a, has a, a funny joke, and there's no curse words, so don't worry about <laughs> what I'm about to say. Um, <laughs> He was at a, a stand <laughs> he was at a he was at a stand up <laughs> event and uh you know people are sitting down it's a really intimate setting so yeah. people have drinks and you know he's very yeah. close to the crowd he's not on a big stage but he's telling jokes as he's sitting on a stool and the mood sort of shifts because as he's telling jokes he goes into this this part of his routine where the crowd realizes wait you're not joking right now so mm -hmm. they kind of laugh at first but then they realize wait oh. you're you're kind of serious now he gets to a joke, but for a good, you know, minute and a half, he's serious. Yeah. And what he's saying is, you know, he starts off saying that, you know, I'm a black man. I don't ever forget how I got here. Mm -hmm. And he traces the history of Africans being enslaved and brought mm -hmm. to this country 
Um, then he talks about slavery. Then he talks about the Civil War. He talks about Reconstruction. He talks about the Jim Crow South and the you know Black Codes and uh, Civil Rights Movement. This detailed history. I mean, he goes I mean, almost decade by decade. Mm. Gets up to Dr. King. Dr. King being assassinated. Very detailed history, and the crowd is sort of just like, man, you know, enwrapped in what he's saying. And then they, after King, he goes something, something, something. Barack Obama, <laughs> and then the crowd laughs because they realize, wait, you were setting us, setting us up. Right. You did this detailed, rich history, and then you went from King to Obama, and the only thing in there was something, something, something. Yeah. Well, what is that something, something, something? It's forty years between King and Obama. Mm. Hip hop fits in that forty years, mm. and I think is the, he saying that or are you saying that? I'm saying this, but I think yeah. the the joke and the the uh, crowd sort of when you think about yeah. Black history, yeah. What do you put in between King right. and Obama? Yes. Most people don't know what to put there. And so it's just a something, something, something. Yeah. And there's a lot of sports and a lot of entertainment, mm. but you don't know how to connect that to this rich history that's right. been being told. And so what I love doing is I love I love demonstrating how hip hop mm. is the perfect way to fill in that something, something, something. Right. You know, before yeah. you get to a Barack Obama. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So another question related to this. Um, we had talked about this before. The um you know, talking about is would hip hop be uh, a fad that mm. would fade? And it seems to me that hip hop has not only not faded, it mm. all has really become a dominant, broad cultural force. I mean, not detracting from, you know, its original yeah. cultural uh, heritage and roots, but to the point where, I mean, you see, um, you know, all kinds of areas of the United States that you would not normally associate with teenagers with AirPods in their ears mm -hmm. listening yeah. to hip hop and rap music, but they are. And I can say from personal experience, you know, a lot of the kids that I know, I mm -hmm. mean, it is the yeah. music that they are listening to. Yeah. So, so what do you make of that, <laughs> of, of that culture as right. you've established that yeah. now making really interesting transfer and yeah. inroads into cultures that are maybe dramatically different? Yeah. From the performers. I just saw an article that talked about the way hip hop is influencing the new generation of uh, country music. Yeah. And it's not just artists like Little Nas X. They mm -hmm. weren't even meant, they didn't even mention him. Always in my mind, I, 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 I try to separate between rap and hip hop. Mm. Rap being the art form, hip hop being the culture. Okay. Yeah. Um, what is it that's spreading into all these areas? I've mm -hmm. been, you know, people ask me to come and I've gone. Uh, to places like uh, Australia, hmm. uh, where na native Australians, Aboriginal uh, mm -hmm. young folk are, have embraced hip hop. Yeah. And they said, would you come talk to them about the possibility of embracing hip hop for its constructive elements and not just the destructive mm -hmm. side? Because most of these people who are embracing it are embracing things like gangster rap. Okay. Um, mm -hmm. So I'll go and I'll talk to them. Yeah. You can embrace gangster rap. You can embrace conscious rap. You can embrace all Christian rap. It's not the same as embracing hip hop, the culture. Mm. Um, and I think, to be honest, many people even within hip hop do a poor job of understanding this is culture. Yeah. If you take it as just music, you won't really hold it up to the grid you would hold it up to if someone said, sorry if some of these analogies miss, hope, hopefully they hit. Uh, there's a documentary on food, you know, we got all these food documentaries and there's one on sugar, the sugar industry. Right, right. As, as the documentary goes through, uh, the narrator says, or, or not the narrator, somebody who's being interviewed says, um, if a foreign nation were to attempt to do to our food source what we're doing to it mm -hmm. ourselves in terms of the amount of sugar we're putting in our food, we would look at it as a terrorist attack mm -hmm. if we knew the, the, the damage it would cause. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, but because of capitalism, we're allowing ourselves to, to uh, be impacted this way. In the same way, I think hip hop as a culture, when you don't realize its culture and how culture works mm. uh, and look at the values of a culture and the need for values in a culture, you accept things not realizing that this is destructive mm. to a people. Mm. This is not just, oh, I like the beat or, oh, yeah. did you hear what she said that was funny? Uh, a people are imbibing this and living this out. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I think I see rap going everywhere. But there are very few people who stop and say, wait, what about the culture? The what culture. about the people? Right. Uh, do I embrace the culture's leaders? Yeah. Uh, do I embrace the culture's ethics? This will probably get to a question we'll, we'll talk about soon. Parents, yep. you know, if you allow your children to listen to rap music, yeah. how do you separate your values, the values you're, you're trying to give your children yeah. to the values that are being picked up in the music? And I think there's an ethic in hip hop that I, I, I understand. I teach a class, I developed a course called Hip Hop and Ethics. Mm. And most people, when they hear the term, they say, does hip hop even have ethics? Is that an oxymoron? Mm. And I say, no, it actually does. Yeah. You know, there's an ethical- I mean, uh, Just about everything does have ethics, yeah, right? They may right. not be the kind of ethics we right. want or dislike, but- Or if you don't understand what ethics, ethics is, you won't yeah. realize how they're at play. Yeah. Uh, but there is an ethic in hip hop, sort of this underdog mentality that says, because I've been done so wrong, I have a right now to be wrong myself. Mm. And there's something there that's worth paying attention to. Yeah. Most people would jump on, you don't have a right to be that wrong. You're talking about drugs, selling drugs. You're talking about hurting people. You're talking about, you don't have a right to be that wrong. And that may be true. But what was the first part of that ethic? Because I've been done so wrong, mm -hmm. I now feel as though I have a right mm -hmm. to be wrong. But if you don't address the, hey, you kind of have been done wrong, mm -hmm. then you almost you know, nullify mm -hmm. the entire statement. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, I think the sociology in hip hop is rich. I use it as a case study mm -hmm. for people who say, I don't even like rap. I don't even know, you know, how it began. I don't really, I, I said, look, it's a case study. We, we can dissect, we can put hip hop on a table mm -hmm. and dissect it like we're in a lab. Yeah. And you'd be able to take the principles and apply it to any other culture because mm -hmm. this is, it is the one of the best case studies, I think, in human history. Yeah. Um, You've Have you written a book on this? I have yeah. uh, the death of hip hop, marriage and morals, okay, and then another book called Navigating the N Word. Okay, uh, I yeah. would almost want you if you're going to do, do a giveaway to give away yeah. a book instead of the, the music. Oh yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I said that at the beginning, but we yeah. we want to give something away. Okay. So yeah, yeah. book cool. book for sure. Yeah, but yeah, mm -hmm. indeed. Yeah. Okay. Are those available on Amazon? They are. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if you're listening to this and you're interested, stay tuned to the end. We'll tell you yeah. how you can possibly <laughs> be entered to win that. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll move to book. That's great. So the issue of of parents mm. and teenagers, and uh, I was talking about a little bit of this personally yeah. even with you before. So how do you counsel parents mm. around, and let's talk specifically rap mm -hmm. music. And rap. I appreciate the distinction. That's really yeah. helpful as you talk about hip hop culture versus rap music. And so there's a lot of questions. Yeah. Um, but what do you, how do you counsel parents on that, on that issue? Yeah. Um, I would I would hope that as Christians we would be uh, great anthropologists, great sociologists. Uh, I think we 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 also have a leg up on the field of psychology. Uh, psychology is really the study of the soul. It's been reduced to the mind, but you know the word suke is is soul. Mm -hmm. We have some insight from scripture on these things. Uh, so one, I, I would hope that parents would would a not just look at it as music or art, but this is the when you think about rap, um, I talk about this idea of the underdog. America loves the underdog. You know, when we watch, we watch sports, we don't like a team to just get blown away. We like the, the struggle, and we like the the 
the team that was favored to win, we don't want them just to yeah. win easily. Right. We want to see, you know, and if the underdog comes back, mm-hmm. what a great story. I think people have tuned into hip hop for so long because the underdogs in America, uh, lower class, marginalized, minorities, are they going to win? Are they are they ever mm-hmm. going to, you know, get back in the race? Are they going to? And so for a long time, rappers talked primarily about either partying in in spite of the struggle or struggling. And that was a lot of hip hop, yeah. you know. Uh, around the mid 90s though, hip hop began to take on a very successful feel. Commercial, successful. Even Less the, about struggle. Much less about yeah. struggle, it's about victory. Triumph, yeah. popping yeah. bottles of champagne. Right. Which psychologically does something for a people group. Mm-hmm. You know, even if vicariously, even if one in 10,000 had made it to that financial level, vicariously, we live through that one. One of us can be like that. Uh, we can succeed. We can pop bottles. We can drive those cars. We can live in those neighborhoods and we can get out of these neighborhoods that we've been you know, uh, locked in. And so the music took on this air of victory, triumph. Now there's something going on that you have to, you know, think about. What about all the people still struggling? How do they relate? Mm. Is it just fuel for them to get there too, uh, or do they just vicariously live through others and stop trying? There's something to, to talk about there. But nonetheless, I think as a parent, I would want to help my my child understand. You know, there are people struggling. Yeah, there are real people that that are really hurting and that have been uh, oppressed. There are people that there's institutional racism in America. There are all these realities. There are things that are worth celebrating. You know, uh, one of my, <laughs> I don't know what to call it, sort of a pet peeve right now, uh, Cardi B, you know, the artist Cardi B. Uh, she's actually one of my answers to <laughs> one of the future questions. <laughs> See, that's what I wanted to get to, Brady. I want your pet peeves. Yeah. That's what... <laughs> um, but her story of a woman who has beat the odds and succeeded yeah. is very, very captivating. Mm. As much as I don't necessarily like Cardi B as an artist, Mm. I cannot deny that her story is one that makes one say, congratulations, you shouldn't shouldn't be where you are. You made it. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't like how you made it. Right. You know, I have issues with a lot of things. But man, they have gone through that Mm. and be okay and, Mm. you know, be where you are. There's something about that that makes people say, man, there's a... Forget where I heard this. That people, someone was talking about why people watch the news, mm-hmm. and they said people watch the news for three reasons. Mm-hmm. One, they want to know what the human being can survive. That happened to so and so. Did they make it? Yeah. Will they recover? They just want to know. Um, two, they want to feel safe because it happened to someone else and didn't happen to them. Oh, that happened across town. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm okay. And then three, they watch because they want to feel empathetic. They want to feel that they care. Mm -hmm. Now, there may be more reasons, but those three stand out. But I think part of hip hop's uh, appeal is, you know, those three things. It's it's like the news. Mm -hmm. Uh, The rapper Chuck D from Public Enemy said, hip hop is like the CNN of the hood. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, maybe he said the black community, I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. That's not the same. Hood and black community are not the same things. There are black communities that are not, quote unquote, the hood. Maybe he said of of black America. So I got to get that quote right. Yeah. But nonetheless, that idea of why people watch the news, I think, is why people tune into hip hop. And I think if you're going to parent slash shepherd your child through listening, I would challenge them to not just enjoy, mm. but understand. Mm-hmm. 
critique um, even critique the, you know? yes yeah for sure yeah um you can critique without being uh you know hypocritical right but you yeah. can definitely critique yeah um, just me, in other words, being critical in, in the way that we want everybody to be critical, exactly. thoughtful, exactly. analytical, have a grid. not just accepting, but exactly have and, a, grid. a biblical worldview to bring things through. Now, if you only do that with your child, when it comes to rap, right, then it becomes hypocritical. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, one of the, yeah. one of the biggest responses of rappers today, and this has been first time I heard this was back in the nineties, the rapper Ice-T said it back in the nineties. Mm -hmm. uh, he said, rap is just entertainment. Like the Terminator movies of Arnold Schwarzenegger back in the 80s right. and 90s. Yeah. He said, if you're going to criticize rap for being violent or yeah. misogynistic, whatever, criticize the movie industry too. Right. We could debate that. Are they the same? Are they different? Mm -hmm. You know, if Arnold Schwarzenegger, take it to today, um, mm -hmm. Vin Diesel or, or The Rock, they play, you know, a violent action hero. Yeah. When the credits roll, you don't expect them to still be violent. Right. You don't, right, right. you know, I just... Dr. Doolittle with Robert Downey Jr. Mm -hmm. He's not Iron Man anymore. Yeah. He's Dr. Doolittle talking to animals now. Right, right. But in rap albums, you don't look at the rapper and say, I wonder who he's going to be on his next album. Yeah. You expect him to be that same person. So mm -hmm. I think there mm -hmm. is some difference between mm -hmm. Hollywood and hip hop. Sure. But all that to say, I think if you're going to be critical of hip hop, mm -hmm. be critical of everything else. Yeah. And and without being hypocritical, I think if, you, mm -hmm. if your children see you saying, ah, Remember the grid I taught you when we were watching This Is Us? Yes, right. Or when we were watching Modern Family? Mm -hmm. Let's use that same grid exactly. for rap. Yeah. As opposed to only having it for oh, rap. Yeah. yeah. Well, so one of the thing about that, especially depending on when you, you know, if you grew up in the evangelical church, mm -hmm. and which is, a, you know, can be a culture unto yep. its own. Yep. You know, there was a period where, um, and I've talked with some other people on this podcast about this, where it was more of a kind of, these are the things we will avoid. Mm. You know, they they contain uh, bad words mm. and bad images and that kind of thing. <laughs> and I remember, I think it was Francis Schaeffer's, mm. there was kind of a, a good art versus bad art mm. and, you know, messaging and kind of all these various combinations in terms mm -hmm. of aesthetics and thinking through yeah. things. So it would seem to me, you tell me, you tell me if you disagree, but that part of what we're doing with listening to rap or anything else is mm. hearing the way a person thinks. Yes. And I think with any musical style, you are going to hear all kinds of worldviews articulated. Yep. Yep. And it seems to me there's a big difference between listening to that and accepting it and yeah. embracing it. And there's there's part where you may say, this is good art. Right. I mean, the performance is right. good. And, and the <laughs> lyrics may be good, but they may contain... Mm -hmm. things that are not true, or mm -hmm. they may contain things that right. are, uh, you know, are, are, are the opposite of a Christian worldview right. or perspective, but that doesn't make uh, the experience of listening to those things always categorically yeah. problematic. I mean, I think that's how I read yeah. that, that there used to be this approach as Christians, unfortunately, that was anything that contains these elements, right. we will simply set aside. Right. And, and and I think that the, a perspective, and I think this is kind of what you're articulating with the grid, mm -hmm. is 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 being critical. And certainly there'd be things that we say, you know, I'm just going to put this away. Right. I'm, this is this, I right. will not allow this to have any right. part with me. But it allows the Christian to be a lot more thoughtful in yeah. what he or she is taking in with all these things, everything yep. from movies to, and, and rap is really no different from any of those others, yep. but it is such a clear window yeah. into a particular perspective that in, in many ways it's it's really valuable. So we may be listening to a lot of things that we say, yeah. you know, I, I completely disagree, but it's providing a very <laughs> unique insight and yeah. meanwhile has some... I mean, very amazing and, yeah. and unique and revolutionary musical qualities. Is that yeah. fair? Yeah, indeed. Um, I'll say what you said in just in my own words, because okay. I think I agree 
You can look at art in two ways. I, I teach art um, as an element of culture. There's eight pillars of culture that I teach, and one of them is art. Each pillar is a set of questions. And when it comes to art, the questions are twofold. What's worth reproducing and why? And then the second question is, how skillfully or uniquely can it be done? Yeah. And I think many times we pay attention to the second question, how skillful or how unique was that? Right. Without paying attention to why was what that artist reproduced? Why was that worth reproducing? Mm. First of all, what was the subject? What did yeah. they reproduce? Was it their pain? Was it their joy? Was it their struggle? They reproduced something. Why did they reproduce mm-hmm. it? Why was that worth reproducing? And I think it's for a culture to come together and, you know, you could break it down to before you get the culture, just family uh, coming together. What was the subject? What did they reproduce? Why did that artist feel that that was worth reproducing? Before we get to, or maybe after, we talk about uh, how skillfully or uniquely was it done. Right. I can appreciate the skill or uniqueness of the art, but at some point I need to consider what was the subject mm-hmm. and do I agree mm-hmm. with the artist's stance? Yeah. I don't have to agree with it to like it. Right. I can like it for its aesthetic. I can yeah. like it because I disagree with it. Right, right. He or she yeah. clearly articulated what I disagree with. Yes. And every time yeah. I hear it, it crystallizes what I believe because I believe the opposite. But it's a conversation. I think, you know, art is a conversation. You go to an art gallery, you don't just look at the art. You talk about what does it mean? To, what does it say to you? This piece speaks to me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what kind of room would you put it in? I wouldn't put it in this. I would put it in because there's a conversation. Um, and I think one of the the travesties of rap is the strength and the weakness. Uh, the weakness is there's so much being said, you almost feel you almost feel rude if you press pause mm. because the artist is still talking. You want to hear it, mm. you know, you want to get it in, and you got more songs in your playlist to get to. But I think we should press pause often and think about, hmm, do I agree? How much do I agree? Why do I agree? Or do I disagree? We ought to have conversations. Now, I don't want you to, you know, look crazy if you're on the train talking back to your eye, you know, <laughs> to your, your your phone. Uh, but in your mind, at least, you should be talking back yeah. to your art. Yeah, almost like reading a novel. Or sometimes you stop and you're, you're, you're yeah. thinking, I got to pause and take this in. Yeah, yeah. But then the other side, the, the the strength, how that's a strength is, rap is like no other art form, mm. in the sense that you've got someone stuffing so many words into a stanza where there's almost, it it leaves nothing to imagination sometimes Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. you have to fill the space up with words. So you don't have to guess what the artist means. Mm -hmm. He's telling you, he or she is telling you. Mm -hmm. Um, So you have this great gift, like you you said, an insight into someone's worldview. It's a great gift to be talking to your child about what does this song say about this person's worldview? Even if the artist is telling a story of someone else and not themselves, Whoever they just told a story about, what does it say about that person's worldview? We can look at that on a holistic scale and we can take it apart and be teaching you know, lessons. I think every song is a teachable moment. Let's pause for this brief commercial. <laughs> this is Tom Scherf at Cairn University. I'm the Assistant Vice President of Enrollment here. And did you know that graduates at Cairn University can audit one available course per semester for free? So if by the end of the podcast you are thinking you may want to sit in on Brady's class, you can find the alumni audit application at cairn.edu forward slash alumni. 
Of course, you can always take the course for credit and enrichment by connecting with one of your admissions counselors at cairn.edu forward slash admissions. Whether you audit for free or study up for credit, either way, Cairn is a great place to grow your knowledge base and spend more time with professors like Brady, who are experts in their subject area and bring a biblical perspective to bear on all learning. So, Brady, if somebody signed up for your hip hop elective that mm. you teach here at Cairn, and I know that you teach other courses elsewhere, but mm. we want them to come to Cairn yes, and sir. take it, um, what would he or she expect in the class that you you offer here? Is it hip hop and ethics? Is that the title? No, here I teach. Okay. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, what do you teach here? Interestingly, hopefully by the time I teach it uh, in the fall, it will have a, a new name. Right now, it's just okay. topics in sociology. Okay, hip hop. And I think uh, people just see hip hop there and like, wait, what is this? Is it a dance class? Like mm. hip hop, what? <laughs> what will we be doing? Right. Uh, so I would love the course to be called, hopefully by the, by the fall, it will be called um, Hip Hop in the Inner City. Mm. Uh, I think that kind of that kind of gives more of a, paints the picture of what we'll be talking about. Right. Hip hop as the voice of the inner city, hip hop as the voice of a people uh, who I believe, you know, African-Americans in this country largely lost their spokesman when King was assassinated. There's only five short years between the death of King and the birth of hip hop. And so, and you think about why, you know, hip hop is four elements. It's rap, it's breakdance, it's uh, graffiti and the DJ. Those are the four uh, elemental uh, aspects of hip hop. Others have been added, but those are the four that- And so you say, so I don't want to take away from class, but hip hop culture would be defined by those four elements. Those four, not defined by, okay. but described, Describe maybe yeah. identified by. Okay. When those yeah. four elements yeah. came together, people said, okay, this is this is something. It's not mm. just this. It's yeah. those four things. My, I think my point in saying that was, though, hip-hop is born in 1973. Here's my point. <laughs> those four elements come together. Most people thought, if you look at the early movies about hip-hop, it was about breakdancing. It was the most eye-catching element of the culture. Even though the DJ was the first element, you needed the, D- the DJ first. Then the rapper came and you had the breakdance. People thought breakdancing was going to be it because it was so eye-catching. It was so phenomenal what these people were doing. And yet, rap, one of the most early rap songs in terms of uh, its, its notoriety was Sugar Hill Gang. And the lyrics are a hip-hop, a hippie to the hippie to the hip-hip-hop and you don't stop. Rapper to the bang-bang, boogies up, jump the boogie to the... So wait, what are you talking about? And even as they do get into saying real words, you're still like, wait, what are you talking about? You're just talking about the party. You're just The song is 15 minutes long. And they thought that was short because hip hop was not a song. It was a party at first. Mm-hmm. How are you going to fit a party in a song? You made it 15 minutes long just to give the impression that it didn't stop because that's what parties did. They went all night long. But they're not talking about anything. And yet, out of those four elements, rapping, DJ, graffiti, breakdance, why did rap take the lead out of those four when breakdancing was clearly much more galvanizing? Well, you go back to five years before hip hop began, minorities in this country lost their spokesman. So even if all you're saying is a hip hop, a hippie to the hippie to the hip hip hop, and you don't stop, someone's thinking, but wait a minute, you got a microphone. And all these people don't have a voice. What do you really have to say? And so the first commercial rap song is Rapper's Delight, when I was just quoting. But the next commercially successful rap song is a song on the complete opposite end of the spectrum. 
song called The Message. Mm-hmm. And most people know lyrics from The Message because you've seen it in Happy Feet or you've seen it in some yeah. other kind of uh, right. depiction. Uh, don't push me because I'm close to the edge. I'm trying not to lose my head. It's like a jungle sometimes. It makes me wonder how I keep from going under. It's not a dance song. It's not a happy song. Matter of fact, the rappers who recorded it was a group called Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five. The main rapper's name is Melly Mel. The group is called Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five. Only Melly Mel of those five rappers, he's the only rapper who appeared on the song from that group because most of them did not want to record it. The song was slow. It was contemplative. It was not a dance song. And hip hop was just a party. Mm-hmm. I said a hip hop. A hip. We don't want to record the song. It's, it's not what hip hop is. So Melly Mel raps on it and another guy. They put the song on the album. And then the record label says, we want to release this song as a single. The group says, no, what are you talking about? This is not a party song. Mind you, at this time, the only rap song that had ever sold anything was Sugar Hill Gang, Rapper's mm-hmm. Delight. Mm-hmm song about nothing but party. They say, you want to put this out as a single? The song is called The Message. You don't put a message on at a party. People are going to sit down and you know start thinking about their life and get mm-hmm. depressed. They're here to dance. Reluctantly, only one rapper from the group is on it. Reluctantly, they put it on the album. Reluctantly, they put it out. The song goes platinum. Mm. One million copies sold. Why? Because people are looking at this underdog saying, they've got a microphone. And they're not just saying a hip hop, hippie to the hip mm-hmm. anymore. Someone is speaking their message. And so in the class, what I try to do is demonstrate, A, that hip hop is a culture, not a subculture. It's a culture. But then two, what is the dynamic? What is the, the potential even of hip hop to not just be a culture, but to serve as a movement. Think about the civil rights movement. Think about Mm -hmm. the black power movement. I believe hip hop has the potential to be the next movement. And even to this day, I think it still has that potential and it's being challenged. Things like um, the Black Lives Matter movement, I think challenges hip hop Mm -hmm. to be more than it's ever been, be what it always could have been uh, to be that that next movement. Mm -hmm. Uh, Are we gonna just continue partying and celebrating when so many of us are still struggling and not succeeding, or are we going to actually take this and, and do what we could have done with it in the 70s and 80s? Mm-hmm. Um, tried to do with it in the late 80s and 90s, but you know got co-opted and corrupted by you know commercialism. So we'll, we talk about that in the class, and then we talk about um, the Christians interact, interacting in the culture, mm-hmm. things like cross movement and Lecrae, right. uh, how Christians have tried to evangelize and be missional in the culture. Mm-hmm. Um, so looking at it from a, a, a Christ-centered perspective, even eschatologically, you know, uh, Revelation says, you know, John says, I looked and I saw people from every nation. And then he breaks it down further, every people. And he breaks it down further, every tribe. And then he breaks it down further, every tongue. He could just be saying the same thing a bunch of different ways, or he could be narrowing his scope into how distinct and yet still recognizable mm-hmm. people are in the eternal state, recognizable by their cultures. And so even as an eschatological facet of the kingdom of God, we look at, at culture and and talk about, you know, we can't exclude hip hop from that mm-hmm. either. So. Well, it's a great preview for the hey. class, but they'll have to sign up <laughs> yeah. to have the full, <laughs> the full experience. Yeah. 
Well, thanks for joining us, Brady. I really appreciate it. And I'm sure anybody yeah, who's, yeah. who's listening has as well. I'm, I'm really excited you're teaching on this at Cairn uh, to have this conversation with you, for us to have the, the resource that we do in you and your knowledge on this. And I'm happy you made the time to talk with us. Thanks for inviting Thank me. It was a pleasure. Yeah. Well, stay tuned after the podcast for Brady's take on recent events with Kanye West and his own unique spin on our own Karen Ted. Thanks for listening. It is fresh off the presses, here to lift souls and clear all depression. Because I know what it's like when the sun's all shining, but your soul feels night. So, Brady, there was news from Kanye West recently. Mm-hmm. And this has been talked about a great deal. What's your take on these hmm. things? Um, Another really broad question. Yeah, I know. yeah. Uh, I think I join those who are encouraged by what they see. Um, of course, like many, I was skeptical. Uh, this is the guy who had an album called Jesus. Uh, one of the songs, I think on that album, another album where he says, I am a God. Uh, that's the chorus over and over, I am a God. Um, and so very skeptical. Um, there have been people in the past from different genres and even in rap who have claimed Christianity. And uh, and then months later, you know, oh, no, 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 I didn't mean that, you know, or some some new, uh, new age take on Christianity. Right. right. So skeptic, uh, skeptical, uh, but hopeful, because all of the things that I saw caused me to say, but that seems like what real Christians do. That seems like what real Christians experience. Even his testimony, you know, he said he came in the 2019, 2019, wanting to do a year of Sunday services. And I think I, I would have been concerned if he left 2019 the same way he entered 2019. But even in his own recounting of the year, he says, I came into 2019 wanting to do a year of Sunday services. Then he says, around April of that year, I got delivered. So even he interjects in his own story, mm. something happened. I mm-hmm. started one way mm-hmm. and almost midway through 2019, I, I was doing a service a week all over the country, all over the world. But about midway through that year, I'm not the same. The guy who went into 2019 thinking, oh, I can do this and I can do that for, the, for God and God, you know, God's lucky to have me on his team. Halfway through the year, he says, no, wait, wait, wait. I'm blessed if I get to join mm. his team, if I get drafted. <laughs> onto his team. I'm the blessed one. So he had an experience. He had an encounter. There's a pastor that that many uh, people that I know uh, have vouched for saying this pastor is the real deal. They mm-hmm. trust him. Uh, this pastor has has vouched for Kanye very tentatively at first. Uh, he, he, you know, the pastor would say, just pray, pray. Things are happening. Pray. But behind the scenes was having Bible study with Kanye and his family every Tuesday. Even when Kanye moved out of state, would fly the pastor up every Tuesday to continue doing Bible study with him and his family. So not only have the Sunday services kept going, now we're in 2020, he's still doing them. He's And, and he's never been the one to get on the mic and preach. He would testify, but not preach. He would bring other people in that he deemed more qualified and let them preach. But to be honest, one of the things that gave me the most encouragement was uh, you know, his wife's uh, show, Keeping Up With The Kardashians, there's a segment where he appears and he appears because he wants her to change her wardrobe for an event that they're going to. And she says to him, just because you're having a spiritual experience doesn't mean everyone else is on the same page with you. She had been prepping for months to get this the right outfit 
This is Kim Kardashian. So the right outfit for her is a very revealing outfit. And he says, you know, I would like you to consider, you know, not wearing that. It reflects. I don't like how it reflects on us and on me as your husband. She says, nah, I'm not having the same experience you are. You can't expect. And then she says, you built me up to be this sex symbol. Now you want me to not be that. He says, well, that was before. <laughs> and I'm like fighting back tears as I think yeah. about it because I'm like, that seems so genuinely Christian. He says, that was before. I didn't realize the impact it had on me as a husband and us as a family. And he just, you know, he gets up and he walks. I said, okay, okay, okay. And he gets up and he walks out. Now, someone could say, ah, that was just for, you know, for the TV. That was, you know, whatever. But that's what Christians go through. Right. Jesus said, I came not to bring peace, but a sword. You follow me. There's going to be strife in your family for following me. So I say all that to say my take on Kanye is I see a number of encouraging things, things that real Christians go through, mm-hmm. things that baby Christians go through, misspeaking, you know, uh, saying things that he wishes he could take back because he realized, oh, you know what? As a Christian, I probably shouldn't. Um, and then a, a a zeal, a genuine joy. All that to say, yeah, I, I'm I'm with those who say this is encouraging, mm. uh, and I hope the best. Mm. You know, I hope the best. That's 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 all I can really say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm sure these conversations will continue. Yeah, as uh, as things continue to unfold. But well, I asked you to <laughs> finalize our time with you know I normally when we we interview alumni, uh-huh. um, and I'm glad you teach it, Karen. I know you didn't <laughs> attend, Karen, but. Uh, we ask them the same 10 questions. We call them okay. the Karen 10, and it's kind of about their Karen experience. So okay. I've adapted this a little bit here. And to be honest with you, a lot of this is just my own curiosity. Okay. <laughs> what would you say on these things? And um, so I have 10 questions here. We have, uh, uh, I don't know, maybe we'll adjust it because you're here with something a little more fitting. But normally we have a little clock that runs in the okay. audio in the background. You can't hear it now when we're recording. But um, so these are all about various uh, rap songs. Okay. So typically we run through them quickly. So you're okay. allowed to do just a one word answer. But all if right. you feel compelled to give an explanation, yeah. I'm going to give you a lot of leeway with okay. this because this <laughs> is a whole new, this is groundbreaking Thank you for here. the grace. <laughs> Brady, what we're doing. All right, here we go. What's the first rap song mm. you recall personally ever hearing? First rap song was uh, Roxanne, Roxanne by UTFO. And I only heard the chorus. This is back in like maybe 1982, 83, something like that. Roxanne, Roxanne, I want to be your man. I didn't even hear them rap. What I remember is the disc jock came on as the song was going off. And I heard them in the background, Roxanne, Roxanne, I want to be your man. And the disc jock came on and said, if I keep hearing Roxanne so much, I think my ears are going to need a crutch. Hmm. Corny by today's standards. But as a child, I was six years old, I guess. Yeah. When I heard that, it stood out to me because I'm like, wait, what he said just rhymed. And people don't talk rhythmically in rhyme like that. Right. That was unique. And I went searching to find more of what that disc jock just did. People mm-hmm. talking rhythmically in rhyme. Mm-hmm. And I began to find it more. Yeah. I think you answered this already, maybe, but here again, what would you consider to be maybe generally argued to be the first rap song ever produced? I'm glad you still asked because actually I didn't. Oh, you didn't? Okay. I didn't answer it. I uh, thought it was the Grandmaster Because Flash. most people think yeah. it is um, not Grandmaster Flash. Oh, that would be the second uh, most, uh, the second successful mm. uh, rap song recorded. The first commercially successful rap song 
for Sugar Hill Gang Rapper's Delight. But same year, a few months before that, a group by the name of the Fat Back Band. <laughs> Fat Bat? Fat Back Band. Okay. Had a song called uh, King Tim the Third. And it was about the lead, uh, the leader of the band, Tim Washington. And he raps the entire song. Mm. And so that came before Rapper's Delight, but it was not popular. Mm. Uh, Rapper's Delight's first commercially successful recorded rap song. This must be so hard for you. Greatest of <laughs> all time rap song. And I have no criteria for that. I'm just going to throw that out and see what you Yeah, think. that answer changes from day to day, maybe from hour to mm. hour with mm. each uh, rap uh, enthusiast. So right now, at this day and time, the greatest rap song. And if you're if you're if you know a rap fan, you probably will say, What? There's so many more songs you could have chose. <laughs> of course. Right now for me will be a song called Wave Files by the artist Lupe Fiasco. Um, very conceptual. I like conceptual art. Uh, he tells a story about a group of slaves who uh, jumped overboard during the transatlantic slave trade on their way from Africa to, to the West jumped overboard but didn't die they sink to the bottom of the ocean the ocean gives them uh basically uh lets them live on the seafloor and rather than go back to africa they spend their lives in the ocean shipwrecking slave ships and he narrates the story and the thing that's beautiful about the song is he holds nature accountable he talks to the forest and holds the forest accountable for lending its trees to be wood for slave ships. He talks to the stars and holds them accountable for helping slavers navigate their way back to the West. And he goes through the song holding all of creation accountable for being complicit in the slave trade. That is conceptual. It is a mm. great song. It's one of, to me, it's, it's got to be one of the best. Yeah. Good. Well, we'll watch the... Well, we don't have enough people listening to this to make this happen, <laughs> but I'd love to see the, uh, yeah. <laughs> the downloads fly up on that, but... Well, that's great. All right. Going to the other end, the other end of the spectrum, who gets the award for cheesiest rap artist or group? Yeah. Please don't be mad at me. I mentioned her before. I think uh, I think Cardi B to me. Uh, no, 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 no. I'll save her for another answer. Okay. I'll say cheesiest because she's not really cheesy. Mm. Um, she's something else. Cheesiest would probably be Vanilla Ice, a tie between <laughs> Vanilla Ice and MC Hammer. <laughs> I was thinking MC Hammer. Yeah, I wondered yeah, if you would say yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, good. Least known artist you think people hmm. should know. Least known pre two thousand. Pre two thousand. Least known pre two thousand. Wow. Well, and then I got post two thousand, so we'll roll these okay. together. So if there's if there's one or two that you think, you know, so yeah, pre people should know, but don't. Pre two thousand, I would probably have to say, and this is just because of this artist's impact on me. I don't know if you should know him. I just I just love his work. There's yeah. an artist named Pep Love from a group on the West Coast called the Hieroglyphics. And I learned alliteration, cadence, all kinds of things from him. Truly, people who listen to me say, you're, you're, you're more of a poet than a rapper. And I get it from people like that. Mm -hmm. Poetry mm -hmm. uh, in motion, poetry in music. Um, yeah. Great. How about post uh, sort of 2000 to the present? Or is that the same answer? No, different answer. Okay. 2000 to present, <clears throat> I would probably say actually an artist from Philadelphia uh, is a Christian rapper by the name of Ishan Burgundy. Yeah, if you don't know Ishan Burgundy, he is probably the best of all worlds in terms of 
uh, just what a rap artist can and should be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How about a present, very contemporary artist that you think people should keep an eye on? Um, so there's a guy I heard very recently, Navel Navel Heiss. Navel Heiss, I think is his name. Um, I saw him on Sway in the Morning, the, the Wake Up Show. Um, is it the Wake Up Show anymore? It's Sway in the Morning, Sway's Universe on Shade 45. I uh, did a freestyle on there. Very young, very energetic, passionate guy who I believe might be a Christian. There's some mm-hmm. lyrics in his in the freestyle that he did was like, wait, yeah, talking about your faith an awful lot there. And and it seemed to be pointed in the Christian direction. Uh, talked about his wife a lot, but very talented guy. I think I would keep an eye on Navel Heiss mm-hmm. if you could find him. Yeah. How about the most overrated artist and why? Now, here's where you'll all probably be mad at me. I'm going to say the most overrated rap artist is Kendrick Lamar. Yeah. We'll put some sound effects right there. <laughs> yeah, some ooh. Um, I just, he's very, very talented. I cannot take that away from him. But I like lyricists. Mm. And to me, he's just not a pure lyricist. He's an artist, for sure. But overrated to me as a lyricist. Mm. Not a pure rhymer. Well, these are your yeah, Karen so, Tan here, Brady. Okay. So you get, yeah. the, you get the right to do it. What's your favorite period of... So I have the history of hip hop, but I want to adapt this now for our, based on our conversation. Favorite period in the history of rap and why? Well, you probably don't need to adjust it because no. people talk about something called the golden age of rap. Okay. And then they also, sometimes they, they say the golden age of hip hop. Okay. So some people kind of just, yeah, kind of for the sake of, uh, yeah. Uh, colloquially, we know when you say hip hop, you mean, you mean rap. So you'll be okay. Golden age of rap, golden age of hip hop. I would agree. There's a golden age, and I think it goes from about 85 to 95, 1985 to 95. This is where artists were really challenging one another. They kind of took the ethic of battle rap, which was something that happened at parties, and they brought that to recorded rap. And so on rap records, you have people sort of battling with no opponent in sight, Mm. but they still have to be lyrically sharp enough to win whoever might step into that space. And so just the talent level is rising. This is the era of people like Rakim, who was very recently uh, noted as number one in the list of the top 50 influential rappers of all time. So Rakim, Big Daddy Kane, uh, you had people like Slick Rick, APMD, NWA was in there. Um, It's just a great period for the art in its purest, most uncommercialized, sort of, you know, uncontaminated form. Yeah. All right, last one. What is your, uh, end on a negative note, but what is your least favorite period in the history of hip-hop and why? My least favorite prob- probably would be right after the golden age, not necessarily 95. There's a period from 95 to 2000 where hip-hop got commercial. Eh, I didn't like that, but I think I, my least favorite would be the period right after that, 2000. It's about 2010, mm. where hip- hip-hop moved to the South and lost some of the ethic, I think. Read my, my book, The Death of Hip Hop, Marriage and Morals, and I'll talk about hip hop had a North and South struggle, which was really a recapitulation of the North and South debate between Booker T. Washington and W.E.B. Du Bois 100 years ago, when they're talking about how to advance African-Americans in this country, you know, after Civil War. Um, that reconstruction debate about what kind of education is best for African-Americans happened a hundred years later in hip hop. 
in early 2000s. Mm-hmm. Um, do we need to be sort of higher education, intellectual, conscious, or is it just, hey, whatever is going to earn money, mm-hmm. do that? Mm-hmm. And I think the Southern ethic was the same as Booker, uh, Booker T. Do what's going to make money. Uh, mm-hmm. Forget educating the mind. Mm-hmm. That was a Northern mindset that said educate the mind. And uh, that period of, of rap, I, I, I kind of despise. Thanks for coming by again, yes, Brady. Sir. And thank you, alumni, for listening for a chance to win a free copy of one of Brady's books, Aha. which is what we're going to do now. One of Brady's books. Drop us a comment where you see the podcast and we'll enter you into a drawing to win. Um, there's so much more content that mm. my guests could share and that I'd be interested in hearing today. But I did want to throw this out to anybody listening to this, that if you have a question or subject that you think merits more conversation around the subject of hip hop or rap music or mm. any of the things you've heard here today, please drop that in the comments. And we may have the opportunity to have Brady come back, address some of those, um, and have you be a little bit more in control of the microphones than maybe you were today. So we hope to have you comment there, enter you into the drawing, and thanks for listening.